Alumni Audio Lab. I am Doris Obrecht and you are listening to Alumni Audio Lab, a bi-monthly podcast from the OEAD. This is the Austrian Agency for International Mobility and Cooperation in Education, Science and Research. Although my name has changed, as you recognized, I still talk with alumni in this podcast who have studied or done research in Austria. We talk about the life, the research, the background, and sometimes also about current events and developments. We have made it to episode 25, and I am happy to introduce my guest today. Dr. Tanushri Gupta grew up in Delhi, the capital city of India. She started her academic career with a bachelor's degree in zoology, but switched for the master's program to another topic, to art conservation and restoration. Your connection with Vienna started about 10 years ago, in 2009. The, uh, yeah. yeah. During your PhD studies, you came to Vienna twice with the scholarship of the OEAD. Actually, thrice. Thrice? Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, we talk about that. Today you are enrolled in several corporations between Austria and India and you have made your way as an art conservator, I would say. Tanushri, yeah. thank you for coming and <laughs> very happy to be here. My guest today. The objects of your work are artifacts, paintings, non-living things. What do objects mean to you? Objects, they mean a connection between past and the present, which we can take to the future. So with every object, there is a story. So somebody made it and with the technology of that period and with the facilities of that period. So the objects themselves speak about how the world was and how the facilities were and how the technology was at that time. And when you have that object from the past coming to the present, that is something that is talking to you you know, to the present. And when you have it in your hand to conserve, you really want to preserve it for future generations to feel the same thing that you feel today. What is art for you? Are your objects, the, the objects you're working with, all art? Art objects and also sometimes everyday objects. So, for example, if you have objects from excavations and things like that, so they are not necessarily art objects, but household objects. Sometimes you have weapons, arms and things like that. So everything from the past is valuable to us and we conserve it. Do they become art in the mind of the people when they go to the museum? I think it depends. If you're going to an art museum, you look at those things that way. But if you're going to a science museum and looking at, let's say, the things in the chemistry lab, then you have a different approach of seeing them. So I think it depends where they are exhibited. So I mm -hmm. think accordingly, people have this connection with the objects. Mm -hmm. But you not always worked or studied non-living things. You started with very living yeah. things. You started your bachelor in zoology. Yeah, that's true. Um, what was your intention with these studies and how did it change? Uh, actually, uh, in India, we do not have art conservation at the bachelor's level. So we start only at the master's level. After complete, I mean, when I was doing my, my school, I knew that I want to study zoology. I wanted to study science. So that's how I was in zoology. And then, of course, I knew that I want to get into art conservation. So this was not something that I had to figure out. This was something I always wanted to do. And I think this goes back to when I was 11 or 12. I found out that at my home were some paintings made by my mother. And at that time, we did not have internet and things like that. And 
in I will I'll give you an example in paintings conservation if the canvas of the painting is getting old and it's not able to stand the weight of the paint layer we give it an additional lining mm-hmm. so with additional substrate yeah so i found these paintings and they were like very brittle and they had tears and things like that and i thought that i have to do something about them and i gave it a lining and when i got when i later on in my life when i got to know about art conservation and how things are working in this field i did not have to tell myself it was something very natural to me so that i that this is for me you know okay yeah. so you're so a natural born art conservator i would say so <laughs> very nice but would there have been another option to start a bachelor's degree it must not it could have been chemistry or yeah, anything yeah, that's else that's true that's true yeah, it could be chemistry it could be anything else yeah it could be i could also be an artist mm-hmm. but i i of course paint but i'm not as good as artists yeah I love colors so I like to paint that's all. My mother has studied zoology. She is masters in zoology. And my father is a doctor. So I think this biology element was very much in my genes and I was like I I want to study zoology and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and when I was studying zoology there were also I I also had to study botany and chemistry. So okay, yeah so but was... zoology was my honors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Formal education in art conservation is a very young topic in India. You just said it it's also not possible to study it on a bachelor's level. Do you have an idea why? Uh this course started only in 1987 I think as a degree course. Before that there were diploma courses. And uh, I think it's only because it's it got attention so late or something that we have it started later. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, uh I know that in museums or before before this academic thing started, we had in-service um you know, training and things like that. So people who got um jobs in national museums and other museums, they got training abroad and things like that. And it's only after a certain period of time, I think when we had this generation of people who understood this field of art conservation, that they realize that there should be a formal education in art conservation because earlier there were the the eligibility to become conservators in museums was to be a chemist mm-hmm. and it's true very much also now that they have not changed the eligibility criteria to be a conservator mm-hmm. so i think it just took some time to evolve itself and now it's very much on the right track <laughs> yeah it has evolved in the right track <laughs> <laughs> so so chemistry is a very important part of the of the art conservation work oh yeah of course i would say because when an object is deteriorating you have to understand it how it's happening so it's all chemistry also biology because if there's biological deterioration and the the way you conserve it is also you have to see what you're putting into the object be that an insolvent or be that the agent that you use to clean it you have to really understand the chemistry of the mm-hmm. object and also condition of the object and then only you can do something about mm-hmm. it so i would mm-hmm. say yes yeah and um, also arts i mean because in in conservation we have people from science and people from arts so who are artists artists they know about the te- the, the technique of the artwork better than the people who are in science i would say mm-hmm. so i think it's a, it's a combination of people in different fields they come together and then they think about the object and then they go ahead with the conservation plan and and you said before you want always wanted to become an art conservator yeah. but you actually became a conservation scientist yeah i mean at the moment i'm very much concentrating on developing a research project for collection care but once that's done i again want to be 
hands-on conservator in collection care and painting conservation from where I started. So, <laughs> yeah, at the moment, I'm concentrating on this research aspect. Okay, so you're aspect. both. You're working on hands and also in um, theory. In I science. don't see myself doing... I mean, I love research, but I don't see myself doing only research. I want this... I want research as well as, you know, this hands-on mm -hmm. work because ultimately this feeling of connecting with the object is very special to me. So this is something I do not want to lose. Yeah. And research is something that we need, I think, because we like, uh, like, like you mentioned that in India, it's not very, it, it's, a, it's a new field, you know. So I think research is something for any field. It's very important if you want to develop it. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm, I, I'll be very happy if I can contribute in both the aspects. And part of your research you did in Austria. How did that come? Uh, this started in 2009. So like you said, my connection starts from 2009 with uh, the first workshop that University of Applied Arts Institute of Conservation did in National Museum Institute, which is which was my home institute. I was doing masters then. And Professor Christ and her team from the Institute of Conservation, they had first workshop there. And because in India it's a new field, We do a lot of theory, but not so much practical. And this was the first time that we did a lot of practical work, a lot, lot of hands-on work. And I was so happy about it because, you know, you always study about all these things that you can do, but you never you actually get a chance it. to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and this was the time when we had objects and we could touch them and we could, you know, do storage plans and exhibition things and all that. So I was very happy and very impressed by that. And then I started my PhD and then I needed some help in figuring out um, about my research. And then I approached Professor Christ again and she welcomed me. And then I looked for the grants and I was happy that Eurasia Pacific Unit gave me grant not only once, but then twice. And the third time I came with the Ernst Mark grant. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, this is how it was. <laughs> And how was your first time in Vienna oh, it was or in Austria? Cultural shock? Mm, not really cultural shock. No, I think when, because I come from the capital of the country. yeah. Okay. And I always say that Delhi is like already an international city. And no, I, I, I was very impressed. I was very happy. And this diversity is something that I do not see as a cultural shock, but it's something that I like very much. So whenever I go to a new country, I just love to see how things are. If they are a little bit different, I like this diversity. So it's always, I don't know, it's, it's beautiful to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What helped you back then to settle in Austria temporarily? Or didn't you need any help? Was it just, no, no, oh, wow. I did, I did. When I came to Austria, I, of course, had very mixed feelings because this was the first time that I was away from home. Yeah, but I think as soon as I arrived in Vienna, I was very lucky because all the people I was surrounded with, they were very helpful, very caring. And so the, so I arrived in Vienna on 1st October 2011, first time. And on 26th of October 2011, I met the president. Oh, yeah, wow. Because it was a <laughs> national day. And why this happened? Because of course, I knew it's a national day. Yeah, but I couldn't, I by myself could not have seen so much. It was my friend, Caroline. She helped me. She made such a perfect plan for me that we, this is National Day and we have to go. And she made sure that I see everything. And she did not tell me anything what was coming next year. So this was all surprise for me. So I think it's wonderful people I was surrounded with. with and it, it's still true that 
the warmth that I receive from everybody is very special to me and that keeps me very much like home here. What do your stays abroad mean to you um, for your work here or and at home, but also for your country? I think it's important for me because we can exchange knowledge and we can exchange ideas. And in the end, we have this network of everybody who's working together towards the common aim, you know, to conserve the cultural heritage. So I think that's all that means to me, that to learn from people, to share knowledge. And that in the, hell, in the, in the end, of course, helps my country, helps the country where I am. So I think it's a, it's a mutual learning for everybody. As you said before, you love the practical work and the hands-on work yeah. with the objects. Yeah. Um, let's go a little bit in detail. If you get a job for an object, let's say a painting or a vase or anything... How do you start? Can you take a look at it and say right away what it needs? No, it takes a lot of an investigation. You have to first see the object, of course, and then we uh, do a lot of examination process. So sometimes we do see the object, what it needs, and then we do examinations with, 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 with raking lights, with ultraviolet light, with infrared to see the condition of the object. And then we have to we always make like a like a graphical documentation as to as, as to how the object is and what it needs at different places and before starting anything we have to test what the materials are so we have to really understand what what each pigment is and which binding medium was used in the painting let's say for example and then when we know what the object is then we will see what, and and the prob what the problems are then we make a plan as to how we go about it what we do first and what we do last and then we do it step by step it's very important in conservation that we document everything in photographs so this before and after comparisons are very important to us and It's also important to uh, follow the ethics in conservation. So, for example, in painting, if there is some paint loss, then I can retouch that area, but I cannot put that paint over the original paint. And when I'm retouching it, there are like set rules how I have to do it. Because in conservation, whatever, anything that we do should be reversible. So we have to take care of a lot of aspects that are in the ethics of conservation. And it's usually a team working on an object. So that, like, like I said, it's very important to sort of exchange views. So, yeah. How long does it take before you can actually start to work practical on the object? How long does the theoretical, theoretical process need? I would say, uh, of course, the hands-on work takes much longer. Mm -hmm. It also depends upon how much problem there is on the object. But it does take quite a lot of time. Yeah, before we start anything on the object because it's like a doctor's profession. Mm. You cannot start operating a patient before you completely understand what's going on. So you have to do a lot of tests, make sure that you're on the right direction and only then do something on it. And and what does a lot of time mean? One um, month, one year, five days, approximately? I, let's say one month. Mm. Yeah, but it it also depends upon... Like I said, what kind of object it is. Some objects are simpler than the others. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How old are the objects you're dealing with? As old as the earth is. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Because you have also, fo yeah, things like fossils and stuff. Yeah. I cannot put a date on that. It can be, yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about your current or your last um, bigger researches. 
You've been involved in different cooperations between Austria and India, as far as I've read. Yeah, yeah. Which ones are you currently working on? Or which ones? I can talk about the last project yeah. that we finished. So we were doing uh, workshops at Napier Museum in south of India, in Kerala. And there we were trying to establish these um, essentials of collection care in the museum. So we did four workshops there in the span of two years. And we tried to step by step uh, sort of... Uh, establish? Yeah, establish like steps for collection care as to how they should go about it and the storages and the exhibition. So that was it. Mm-hmm. How can we imagine this museum? How are the conditions there and why did it need to be um, such a big project? In India, we do not have, like I said, we do not have uh, trained conservators in the museums all the time. So that is one reason. And the other reason is, I think, awareness, which is growing. But uh, it still needs more. So when we went to Napier Museum, we saw that we, we made a conditions, condition survey to see how it is. And then we found out the areas which needed improvement. And then we prioritized them. So which needs the most attention to least. And then we started one by one. And the goal of our workshop was to transfer knowledge in such a way that once we do something, we do not have to repeat it for the for the staff there. So... In the first workshop, we made this uh, condition survey as to how objects are in everything. And how were the conditions? Fairly good, except for the storage, because there was this very high humidity. So in the second workshop, we decided that we have to take the objects out from the storage and put them somewhere else. And in the third workshop, we we discussed with the museum staff always what they need the next, and they needed some help with packing and moving objects. So we decided, okay, this is the focus, and... We adapted our workshops according to that. In the fourth one, we helped them with planning exhibitions. So this is how it is. So mm-hmm. overall, we try to make our workshops according to the needs of the museum. Yeah. Are these, as you said, the, the high humidity in the storage and so are these typical conditions for India or let's say for South India? Yeah, yeah. High humidity is, of course, the, it's, 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 a, it's a tropical climate, but high humidity is not good for the objects because in high humidity can be mold, of course, and also corrosion. So in this storage room, which was never meant to be a storage room, there was no ventilation because there was no ventilation and the humidity was so high. We had to, if I remember correctly, when we checked it, it was 85% or something. And there were already signs of mold and corrosion. So we convinced, of course, the museum authorities that we have to actually move the object, all the objects out of that room. And we did that in the second workshop, like I said, with the help of staff of the Napier Museum and also students from National Museum Institute, where I did my master's and PhD. They also joined and we made this team together and we took all the objects out from the storage. We cleaned them and made an assess- assessment report for each object and then moved them to another storage. So this is how it was. How long did it take? It took, of course, for the preparation, it took me longer. It took me like if approximately 15 days. I was in India because I was helping them with finding all the materials that we would need to carry out this workshop. And the workshop itself took, I think, 10 days or something. And we were able to sort of take all the objects out and put them at another location and we had like very strict security checks in between because when we are when we are taking the objects out from one location and moving them to another they have to sort of be under high security and we did all the cleaning things outside the museum because we were afraid that there will be mold spores when we clean them and we did not want them to mm-hmm. spread mm-hmm. in the museum mm-hmm. 
So yeah. And as you said, the, um, you to, you looked after the materials, and so as there is no tradition in art conservation, are there special materials needed, and where do we get it in India? Uh, there are all special materials in conservation mean that they should be high quality materials because every material has this tendency to offcast some volatile components and that depends upon what are the ingredients in that material so every time when we use something in the museums we have to always think that that object or sorry that material will remain in the museum for years and years yeah and nobody is going to really i mean Theoretically, one should check if the material is fine or not fine after a certain period of time. But practically, it's not always happening. So it's always good to use the high quality material so that we are sure that they'll not emit volatile compounds because these compounds can then affect the objects. They can react with them and then they can make the conditions worse. So that's what it means when, when I say that the right material. But yes, it's, all, it's, it's also a question of availability and it's also a question of money. Because these materials are very expensive, so we have to sometimes make a compromise, keeping in mind for how long we need those materials in the museum. So if, for example, we are making temporary shifts or things like that, we can maybe settle with something which is not as high quality. And then when we have maybe the permanent storage, then we can think about the best materials. But this is a kind of compromise which we have to make. How are, as you said, um, you have to deal with not a lot of money, let's say it like this. Yeah. How are the political conditions and the support for art conservation in, in India? India? Mm -hmm. It's getting so much better. The academics and research, both these fields have improved a lot in the past years. And also the government is putting a lot of efforts into training the in-service professionals more. And uh, they have um, created collaborations with a lot of international organizations. Yeah, so I would say it's all in all improving a lot. And there is more awareness now. The museums are doing a lot of awareness campaigns, outreach programs, and both public and private. Both the sectors are like very actively engaging in conservation, in training their professionals, and also creating this awareness among the general public what conservation is, what mm. their culture is, you know. And is there also not only awareness, but also appreciation for you as art conservators, you and your colleagues? I hope there is. <laughs> <laughs> who, who was involved in this international research team in Napier? I think it was an international project. It was, it was us, uh, mm -hmm. University of Applied Arts Vienna, so under the leadership of Professor Christ and uh, yeah, the Napier Museum. Oh, okay, it was just Austria and India. Yeah, yeah. And are you in bigger? In, in in the first workshop, there was also New York Foundation involved mm -hmm. in it, but in in the next workshops, not. But they were taking care of the other. They were ca taking care of the structural conservation of the building. We were associated with the collections. Mm -hmm. In two thousand thirteen, you've been to Naples for three three weeks to work on wall paintings in Sundari Chowk, which is one of the three palace courtyards in in Kathmandu or in Patan in Nepal. Yeah. It sounds rather impressive. Yeah, I think I was very lucky because uh, the University of Applied Arts Institute of Conservation, we have this long-term cooperation with Nepal and my colleagues take care of this um, Nepal project. And back then in 2013, I was still a student in National Museum. I had completed only one internship in Vienna. I got to know about this Nepal project and I was so interested in going there and working there. I requested Professor Christ again if I cannot 
you know join the group there and do something because like i said working practically was something i always wanted to do and she agreed and i always wanted to go because it's so near no yeah and she agreed so i was there for 3 months sorry 3 weeks and under supervision of the painting conservator from austria i worked there yeah and how is it to work on on such um great um paintings i mean it's the, the palace courtyard yeah it was it was something very different i haven't done such kind of work again and never did it before it was it was something unique yeah to be there to work with the local material and wall paintings also of course was the first time i was doing because before that i had worked on canvas paintings so i was always working in the lab mm -hmm. and even now when i work i work in the lab and for collection care we sometimes work in the storages and things like that but this was something very different there in the field and mm -hmm. collecting all the local materials dealing with the local staff and everything yeah have you been nervous to make mistakes or so no yes. i think we had wonderful uh, supervisor yeah <laughs> so <laughs> but in 2015 nepal was struck by a very horrible earthquake yeah, a lot of historical yeah. architecture was destroyed was this one affected as well which uh, you worked on i'm not really sure because i did not go there again but my colleague she takes care of the nepal project and she can tell all about yeah. it but i know that a lot of damage happened mm -hmm. here mm -hmm. yeah it shows only also um how fragile cultural heritage is how do you yeah. feel if you hear about for example this earthquake about the damage you as an art conservator you want to conservate stuff oh this is the yeah because in napier museum when we were working there and after we finished working we got this news that there are floods in kerala and then we would and the first thing in on my mind was oh my god napier museum we were mm -hmm. working there no and then of course i checked with the people and they said that the napier museum is fine but then there were a lot of cultural heritage which got lost mm -hmm. in the areas which were affected so of course this is yeah something very difficult to deal with but there are organizations which are very much into this disaster management and things like this and also like i said my colleague martina hasselberger she takes care of this nepal project and she's also very much into this disaster management and things like that mm -hmm. because in nepal like you said there was this entire earthquake mm -hmm. and then they had to revive everything so this is of course difficult and but yeah we have to deal with it your phd was about the behavior and conservation of acrylic painting yeah what is so special about acrylic I think special about acrylic paintings was the challenge actually you know when you clean acrylic because when you see a painting if there is an oil painting or an acrylic painting you think of it as a painting mm. but when you start conserving it it's completely different material so oil paintings have a long history so people have this experience how to go about it and acrylic paintings are comparatively new i think they started only in 1950s 1960s yeah so when you do anything even if you are just cleaning the acrylic painting you are taking some components away mm -hmm. this is how it works because it has a lot of additives the acrylic paint itself so my research was to see when we clean paintings how much does it affect the paint layer even with the slightest of cleaning so i decided to choose different kinds of solvents and which are like commonly used for cleaning and to see how the paint layer behaves but as you said acrylic painting is 
not very old. It's just about 60 or 70 years. Why yeah. do they already need conservation? Yeah, that 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 that, that was the point because uh, paintings, what I've read is paintings as old as 10 years also come for conservation because you see of acrylic painting as something which are like sturdy and everything, but they have different kinds of problems. They, they don't necessarily have the same problems as oil paintings would have, but they have their own problems, different problems, and those problems are coming at an earlier age than The problems mm -hmm. would come in oil paintings, for example. Yeah, so they are fragile. I, if there is a temperature change, you know, they get sticky in higher temperature. And when it, when they're, when the temperature is low, they get brittle very fast. So there are a lot of problems with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And not so many established solutions. Mm -hmm. Are you still working on this um, topic? At the moment, no. So I finished my PhD in 2016 mm -hmm. with my defense and everything. And after... and. I've been working on collection care since then, so not really. But yes, one day I would like to go back to my topic and do mm -hmm. something again. Mm -hmm. yeah. And what did you do with the findings you you found in out of your PhD research? As you said, there is a lot of solutions are missing. And you did, it sounds like a very important research for conservating acrylic painting. I would say why it was important was because um, every paint brand that you take has different components depending upon what manufacturer puts in it. And there was a lot of research going on worldwide on acrylic paints and it still is. But my research was the first one in India to do this research on the paint which is manufactured in India. So this brand is called Camel, which is very much used in India and also in Nepal and other surrounding countries. And I decided to start research on that. And then I tried to match the results and they were very much similar. So I would say that was it was important that I started this research on the indigenous paint brand. <laughs> yeah. And these brands are still in use. So yeah, 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 very yeah. much, very mm -hmm. much. And they are very much planning to expand it across Asia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you also work together with artists or only with scientists? I work with everyone. <laughs> so. <laughs> so for this research for my PhD, I did a survey with a lot I don't remember I think 50 to 70 artists before I started everything as to what they think about acrylic paint as a mm -hmm. medium and what they think about the problems that occur in them let's say right after 10 years and things like that and even now I like very much to hear from artists from the craftsmen from everybody who makes art objects as to what they think about their objects you know if they only think about their objects to stay there for, let's say, I don't know, five years, ten years, or they also see their objects going into the future, you know. So this aspect is important to me. I do mm -hmm. research. And also, yeah, with curators, I did a lot of surveys to see how they keep their collection, not only in museums, but also in art galleries, because for them, it's more of a business thing, you know. So I went to their storages, and then I saw, okay, this is how they keep the collection and all that, yeah. Yeah, so I try as much as I can. You seem very passionate about your work. Um, what would you say does it need to become a good art conservator? I think one should always think that there, with every new object is a new case. And one should be always ready to investigate everything and start their study from the scratch. So I think if you're willing to do that, then I think... <laughs> You're sorted. I think so. <laughs> you, yeah. need, you need a lot of patience. Yeah, too. yeah. I mean, of course, it's important that you have a lot of experience in everything. But I think every object has its own story. Mm -hmm. Every object has its own 
yeah the the technology with which it was made the object the the material that is put on it so you have to like really start mm-hmm. with the scratch and a lot of patience you need yeah with every object you cannot just do something because you <laughs> think it's right you have to like really investigate make sure double check your hypothesis before doing something on it yeah as i've read you've worked on paintings on wall paintings on objects on embroidery i think as well on uh, embroidery no, no i don't think no, so but, no but but on on different on different kind of objects is it easy to switch or Do you usually specialize as an art conservator to textiles or paintings or I think what I personally think is that it's easy to switch if there is somebody supervising you. Uh-huh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> if somebody tells me okay this is so if I if I can make a plan and discuss with somebody and that person says yes it's fine go ahead then I would be able to do it. But if I have to make the decision then it's not so easy then then there has to be person specializing in something so unless i'm really really specialized in painting conservation i would not say okay do this yeah so and i think in india we do not have that at the academic level so we uh, graduate as conservators mm-hmm. art conservators but then when we start working with organizations who are involved in art conservation then slowly you know after you get experience you become art painting conservator or photograph conservator or paper conservator but in europe i've seen that you already have some sort of specialization right when you do your academics mm-hmm. as you're working on very also maybe maybe not expensive but um what's the word valuable objects yeah. that's the word have you ever made a mistake or a big mistake or a bad mistake or have you seen one from others i don't know i think the the, the biggest mistake i made was with the paintings of the, that my mother's painting that i told you about <laughs> because later on when i started conservation i realized that everything that i did was wrong was a disaster i should not have used that as adhesive you know i should not have used that substrate so now i removed everything when i was in india and my brother and i were discussing maybe we should do something about them like now like professionally something <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, so made you made first the mistakes and then Yeah. But, <laughs> but that time I was very happy about it. <laughs> but like I said, in <laughs> conservation, the ethics of conservation says that everything should be reversible. So if for example we do something today and five years later we realize that this was a wrong treatment that we did we should be able to remove it mm-hmm. so even the retouching the example which i gave you earlier if we do this we always make this layer in between the original components of the painting and what we are going to put on it so that in future if we need to remove it we can remove it safely and that goes true with almost all the treatments that we do in conservation but of course some things we cannot reverse so for example if you clean something you cannot unclean it yeah and also with consolidation it, it does not go very true because if you put some consolidant in the painting let's say for example so that means if for example the paint the, the the painting the paint layer is let's say going off the canvas and you need to paste it then you have to put something and then it stays there and sometimes the paint layer becomes powdery and then you have to spray the consolidant over it that is also something you cannot undo mm-hmm. but yeah but other than these two things i think almost everything we do is reversible and it has to be reversible we are coming to an end i think you've answered the next question already but i will ask it anyway 
professional advancement and career are often linked with more management tasks and theoretical work and less practical work. What are your plans for the future? Do you want to make a career and go to management of a museum or so? Or are you hands-on? I think my domains would be research and hands-on. And management... I think for everything that you do, there has to be a good management. If you're, if for example, I'm working on an object, I cannot work alone. I need to work in a team. If I'm doing a research project again, I cannot do it alone. I need to work in a team. And when you have to work in a team, there has to be good management. So management is something that has to naturally come. And a good management is, of course, necessary, not only for conservation, but I think for any profession. So I think that has to come naturally. Yeah, and uh, collection care and painting conservation is something that I that are my favorites. So I hope that you know in these two fields I would be able to contribute my best from wherever I am. <laughs> yeah, S sounds like a plan. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope so. <laughs> okay, Tanushree, thank you for coming and having this talk with me. I wish you all the best for your future work. Oh, thank you very much for having me here. I'm very happy. <laughs> this was Alumni Audio Lab with Tanushree Gupta, art conservator from Delhi in India. I am Doris Obrecht and you listen to Alumni Audio Lab, a podcast of OEAD. You can listen to all of our former episodes at the website of the OEAD. It's oead.at slash alumni minus audio lab. And our next episode will be on air in two months. Alumni Audio Lab.